Welcome to Big Monday, Mr. Spears. I am here now. Thank you for having me on Big Monday. Well, you're the co-host, so, I mean, what the hell? <laughs> you're not an invited guest. <laughs> Matter of fact, if I, if I don't make it through the show tonight because I'm just finally... Snapped. Just, just <laughs> give up. <laughs> I hold the fort down. Take yeah. over, my man. <laughs> I hold the fort. You're gonna run off to uh, Colonial. Yeah, you, you should live there for the for the meat. You know, it's funny. Um, <laughs> a couple of months back, we uh, we were trying to support our man Jason. Uh, when he was over at um, Grant's Pass. And I mean, listen, that's why not? If you're going to make some, make a couple wagers, why not support the the smaller signals? And I, I actually like went on a little winning streak there, <laughs> Grant's Pass. Um, and then, uh, you know, I, I got to admit, I, I didn't make any wagers when Jason uh, was calling the two-day little mini-meet to Tampa, but um, I banged out two for two today at Colonial. Uh, I did not have the 55-to-one shot, though. That uh, <laughs> It was it was kind of surprising that they had a, this horse who was like, has no form at all, just got smoked for 5,000, in for 25,000, <laughs> and the horse wins a 55-to-one. And there's like four people on social media saying, "Well, you know, the horse has like got a great record of seven A's. What? Yeah, they they like they actually said that they bet the horse. So, okay, I was on once every ten years, but hey, yeah, but no. Anyways, I, I was talking to you <laughs> earlier in the day, and uh, I said I, I was I was uh, you know I'd hit the first the Colonial, and. Uh, of course, it was a fourteen to one leaving the gate, eight to one crossing the wire. But I'm not Brutal. complaining. <laughs> I'm not complaining. I'm happy to have it. Um, and you made the comment, like, you know, you, you when Beamy's calling, <laughs> I, I just seem to win. It's, it's money. Kind of, uh, yeah, like he's my lucky charm. I might have to move to Tampa this winter. The best thing about Beam, besides. The now defunct Beamy Awards. The guy is a public sub connoisseur. Well, he likes the public subs. I don't blame him. Yeah, public subs are good. I mean, <laughs> I always tell him. Actually, every time I talk to him, because he when he was in Tampa, he said he had a public sub, just Italian. I was like, gotta get the chicken tender sub. That's the one. That's the sniper's special edition, right? We need to we need to get on the horn with Publix, and we can make a a sniper special sandwich and call it the Sizzler. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so I, I called it quits, and it was funny. It was um, going out on top. The, what was the? I think it was the fifth race, uh, the race that Dallas Stewart had the big favorite in, and I mean maybe literally the worst favorite uh, <laughs> of the year. I mean it made like uh, the fourth race at Colonial. Um, 
where Chess Chief was three to five for most of the betting, went up four to five. I mean, the horse has got no turf races at all. And honestly, his dirt races, he really wasn't much faster. Wasn't that good. Oh, right. I mean, wasn't that good? He, he, listen, he's not a bad horse, but he's not. He's not a star. Like this was supposed to be his Pacific Classic uh, prep, and I'm like, yeah. What? Yeah, you can probably just, you know. Yeah. Skip that trip. West Virginia Derby, sir. It was the perfect occasion where if exchange wagering was was in effect, I, I would have just faded him so bad in that race. And oh, that, that, I looked at the race, and I mean, honestly, Passion Play was one of the horses on one of the few horses, and it was a stake race. I mean, it was a Virginia bred race, um, you know, hundred thousand dollar stake race, and. You will rarely see a turf stake race that had less turf form than this. Uh, I think the the poser, the seven horse, th- that horse had one turf race and, and it was a terrible race. It was like the worst race on his form. But I mean, you know, you only get so many shots in Virginia. But uh, God, I would have, oh, I, I would have given three to one on that horse, five to one. Oh boy! And um, you know, it, it's funny you say you talk about that because I was basically saying the same thing um, about Rushy yesterday out at Del Mar. And it got me thinking about how valuable a skill that is to be able to eliminate horses, especially ones at short prices. Um, you know, it, it even if you don't really like the race or, you know, a horse in a race, but if you can get a contender, one of the main contenders, at a short price and just definitely knock them to the point where you, you don't even want to use them in the top four. I mean, that, that's, that should, everybody's eye should light up when that happens. I mean, you can fall into, you know, if you bet correctly, you could still hit a race like that. Um, but yeah, the, you know, that's, that's like one of the best things when you got a short price or a favorite, or even a second choice that you can just safely eliminate from contention. It's nothing like it. No, that's uh, one of those handicapping principles that, um, that's, you know, e- even in this day where, I mean, you got to admit that handicapping and wagering is, is a little bit different <clears throat> these days. Huh. And you got the late odds changes which really kind of, um, I think, psych people out a little bit. Well, they shouldn't at this point because it's been happening for so long. Well, I, I, I mean, think you can the, safely say a horse I think that from the you know. Point of like, I, like I get psyched out because I'm afraid. Like I see a horse and, and I'm waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting, and the horse is two or three to one, and I'm like, this horse is a pretty good bet at this price, but yeah, you, know, you can you can count and, your exactts and the doubles. You know, they're kind of middling and they're, they're not like, you know, over. And and you're just waiting for that bang, six to five, four to five. Yeah, it always comes. I mean, and, they, they, and it's like watched by it. That train's never late. That actually happened today in, in, in the race, uh, the third race at Colonial, which was a, a stake race. Uh, and, and Ian Wilkes horse on the rail um, was made a prohibitive favorite. And it, it might have been a little bit of, um, you know, you know, Ian Wilkes and 
uh, and Jero was the rider. So, you know, you got bigger name people. But Union or Urban Fairy Tale was, was one to two. And Tasting the Stars, uh, which is what John Kimball just got, actually, it was in uh, uh, someone else had the horse. Um, of course, Tasting the Stars hasn't run this year, but still, Tasting the Stars on the thoroughbreds was significantly faster. It's like very rare that you'll see a horse that's just playing faster than another, than a one to two shot in the race. And I made the bet and the horse was like, uh, it was like, I think, I think it was like seven to two (laughs) fully being happy with it. If the horse went up two to one, I would have been all right. That's not too much. I was like, I was like, it's almost too good to be true. The one horse, um, Urban fairy tale just wasn't as fast, and um, as it turns out, tasting the stars wins, wins the race, and and, and Fergal Lynch actually rode the horse perfectly. Gave the horse, I, I won two races today at Colonial. The two races I bet, and both jockeys gave the horse a perfect, perfect ride. Um, I think Victor Carrasco was the one uh, <coughs> who, uh, yeah, Victor Carrasco rode uh, Lyrical Gangster. In the first, but the horse really didn't. I mean, he w- went off three to one. He crossed the wire three to one, and and it was kind of a weird feeling because it, like a double victory. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I swear I was totally prepared for you know eight to five, and it didn't happen. So it was like like you said, it's like a double victory. It's, it's uh, <laughs> an extra fifty cents for that. I mean, that's not something that we used to worry about, right? I mean, no. You'd see sometimes a horse would get some late play right at the end, but not like it is now where it's just, I mean, even the horse in the first, Lyrical Gangster, he was 14-1 when he left the gate. He was 8-1 to when he, when he came back to the winner's circle. Um, and he just got up. I mean, it wasn't like he won easy, but it, it's, a, it, it's a factor that we just didn't use to have to deal with. And, and it's, just part of, uh, it's just part of life if you're going to bet on racehorses these days. Yeah, I, I you know, I remember back whew, in the day, especially after uh, after the the fix six at at Arlington, in the the uh, the pick six there that they rigged um, on the Breeders' Cup, uh, they started cutting off the betting. Yeah, early, way before they went in the gate. Seems like they may want to try to go back to that. You know, I know. It's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't, kind of thing. Because if they, if they post drag and just let it go and not cut off the wagering, then you get the odds changes, and you probably still get them anyway. Um, exactly. So I guess that's why they don't do it. But it's it's tough to swallow when you when you think you got a horse at five to one and he crosses the line at like five to two. Well, the metal lane. How many times are? Oh, and it's nine to two, and that cross wire three to five. <laughs> and then you say to yourself, if, if uh, you know, my dad and I have an account that we share, and I guess I've told you stories sometimes, <laughs> he'll make these odd bets, right? I mean, like about a dollar to show on some horse, it's like three to five, and I'll be like, Dad, will you? <laughs> he, all he did was, uh, <clears throat> you gotta make a wager on the track to get the PPs, so <laughs> he'll just pick somebody out, make a wager, get the PPs, and then and, and look through it, but. Make thirty cents. It, it would have been, you know. Uh, there's been a couple occasions this summer where, if the horse had lost, I'm sure the question would be like, 
why do you bet that horse at that price? <laughs> I didn't bet him at that price. I bet him at four to one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, bigger picture is it's that's tough to explain to somebody who's just getting into horse racing. It is, it is, it is tough, and it's it's tough to even say sometimes with a straight face, right? You're like, you know what, <laughs> you know what happens all the time. You think you're gonna get eight to one, but you really get five. And I'll be honest. And, and this is just me, and uh, it's not just me. It's a lot of other people, too. That we just take a lot of what we're told these days with a grain of salt. And I don't believe virtually anything I'm told anymore by no, the, sources. The country's skeptical and everything. Uh, uh, I mean, we have <laughs> Delmar announcing they had $21 million in handle when they actually had $18 million in handle. Well. Uh, you know, because they're going back to that. Phony fuzzy math. <laughs> yeah, the oh, oh on track patrons betting on other tracks. That's not your hand. That's not hand us handle on their tracks. Why would they? Why would they, they count that? Yeah, because it makes them look better. And it's yeah, but, you know sometimes in the end, like, does anybody really care if Delmar handles nineteen million or twenty one million? No. In, in the end, it doesn't matter. I think Hell's Angels have pulled up. Nice. Um, well, I was strapped when I went over there. Yeah, you know, living in the hood, sometimes you got to be careful. <laughs> That's not the hood. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the PG hood. <laughs> well, there's an alley, and it was kind of dark. There, there is like, an alley, though. That's, that is true. That's that's what I was roaming around to get to my car. So There, there is. And, that is and true. Any... Hey, listen, it, it ain't like the, the, the Onion Rings neighborhood. That neighborhood. No. <laughs> That, that's the shady shady and, and parking garages are always sketchy so the people that live there don't even like to go there <laughs> yeah they do that's why they got those onion rings I gotta stay away from onion rings no you gotta have those once a week no Brussels sprouts are healthier Brussels sprouts. and closer yeah that's true that's true um So I guess the big story. This there was some pretty interesting things that happened this weekend. Some interesting things. And uh, by the way, New Jersey is the new place for DQs between the Meadowlands and Monmouth. That's where it's at. It's very odd that two horses and their two biggest races in New Jersey were both taken on on the same day and both had the name Charlie in, involved. I know. The Meadowlands Pace winner. Oh, the Meadowlands Pace uh, loser, the horse that was taken down, uh, his owner has filed an appeal. Why? Decision. So. For what? I guess he's mad. Uh, I'm, I was mad, too, if I would have had him on top, but I didn't. But even if I did, I'm like, oh, well, that makes sense. Litigation. My Literally man. took a right-hand turn galloping. That was a crazy and race. knocked our guy out of contention. It did it ruined our chances. But that that was a crazy yeah, race. Medellin's yeah. pace was a, was nuts. I mean, oh my god, it was it was crazy. They were it was like a NASCAR race. It was. It was really nuts. But um, I mean, everybody saw the Haskell. Yeah. 
I, I'll be honest. It's really discouraging for me when people are stupid. <laughs> like I, I, I know it shouldn't be, but that was the easiest DQ of all time. I mean, the horse crossed over into Every. another horse's path and caused him to fall down. He wasn't pushed by another horse. There wasn't any. It, it was just the jockey made an error. He thought he was clear he wasn't. And anyone who thinks that that horse shouldn't come down, I hope you hit the lottery 10 times and keep betting because you just don't know what the hell you're looking at. Right. Yeah, that's 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 pretty absurd. Ah, oh, Paco was doing this and blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> come on, man. Like, you know. Feelings about bring a lot of things on himself. Yes, he does. He looks around. He's all over the track. He throws the reins at him. It's he's Paco. Everyone knows this. Literally everyone. It doesn't mean that when his horse is feared with, yeah, to the point where it falls down. I mean, come on. And and Mandolin. Oh yeah, Mandolin drifted in. Yeah, exactly. Mandolin did drift drift out. But it had nothing to do with the foul. It had nothing to do with the foul. And, and someone uh, who I respect said, well, you know, he kind of took, he could have took the path and Baco could have. I said, that's not how you determine fouls. Right. You determine what happened, what the incident is, not what it could have been. You could, you know, you can't say, oh, well, I said, you know what? Well, if he hadn't, uh, you know, shown speed, he would have been behind him. I mean, you, you could say, <laughs> And nope. a lot of what ifs. The <laughs> fact of the matter is, the horse cut the other horse off. He fell down. He comes down. That's it. Simple. It's not that difficult. Right. That, that, that shouldn't even taken but five minutes. And why do people? And, and listen, if you like think that we shouldn't have whips, just stop listening to the show because you're not going to like anything else we have to say. You no. just not. You're just not. Well, just, I found it. I found it interesting um, that well, I saw an interview with with Pratt yesterday. And he said that, you know, he probably could have corrected the horse in so many words. I'm paraphrasing. Um, if he had if, if he could have used the whip. You know, I, I mean, yeah, he could. have. It, for, it, for sure. he and that's from the guy off. riding the horse. If it was somebody speculating, it's like, well, it could go either way, I guess. I, I don't know. But the guy riding the horse is saying this. Now, if he goes to the whip. Before the horse drifts in to prevent it. What's it look like? And why, you know, how could they delegate that? They would, they would get on his ass and, and I'll tell and, you, I'll tell you exactly what happened, Barry. He would be crucified. Right. It's un- unbelievable. That's, that's why this thing is such a mess. And, and it, and it took a while for it to, to kind of come to a head. I, I mean, I, I saw people saying that the, you know, not having the whip, didn't uh, make a difference. I couldn't say that for sure, you know, and and just like either way. But when the rider's telling you that, you got to have this. Is I don't give a shit about people's opinions on the whip. It doesn't matter. It's a bad rule. Period. It is. A it's horrible. a bad rule. And the fact of the matter is, and I will say this, saying this, there's no evidence that Pratt would have hit the horse left-handed. He want to go in. To, to, to get near what they call race riding these days, you know, even though like in the in the old days, they didn't zigzag all over the stretch like they do now. But 
there's no indication that he was going to use the whip to straighten horse out. <laughs> None. It, he didn't even know he dropped the horse. He dropped the other horse until after the race. Right. He said that too. He did admit that. He's like, I didn't even know what happened until. But that's the thing is, like, everyone wants to use the race as the the uh, the justification for uh, being for or against the rule, and it doesn't. Well, that's the problem. Justification. Right. That's the problem. You're in that situation. You're in the situation. Listen, there's no bigger rule change that's been wasn't thought out because people say, well, how do you know how to win a rule, Chuck? How do you know how to rule? Well, I would have known how. You know how I know? Because it happened last week and they still haven't ruled on it. Oh, nothing, huh? Still haven't ruled on it. What could they say? I don't. I don't understand exactly. how they exactly. And what can they say that it? Oh well, if Prod had straightened the horse out, well, there there there'd have been no accident. And if there's no accident, everybody kills Prod for winning a race by a neck <laughs> and hitting his horse. Everybody kills the guy. They probably want to give him thirty days. I mean, this is the thing. It's like use your heads. Think about it. There is no safety rule. They say you can use it for safety, but they didn't say when or why or how or what the the, the occasion was. Well, it's, they it's can't. Up, it's, it's impossible. It's up in the air. It's open-ended. So to think in a million-dollar race, a guy is going to reach over and to straighten them out and, and not have it have giant repercussions. Put it this way. If and and, I, and and being that Mandaloon's owned by Judmont and Judmont is probably the least likely owner in horse racing to sue, but you put anybody else uh, on the ownership line of Mandaloon, and Hot Rod Charlie uh, takes a couple <laughs> left handers at the eighth pole from Pratt and beats them a neck, and they don't disqualify the horse. You know where that's going directly, directly. Directly to court. To court. <laughs> directly to court. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's I just mean, the way it is. It's the way things operate. It's just well, yeah. What with that rule in place? You know, if the rule wasn't in place, we wouldn't have this discussion. We never would. You know, have either way, you know, either way, it it, it would have unfolded on Saturday, just because the rule was there it gives you these doubts and, and, and thoughts and questions, you know, and, and that's not a way to, to kind of delegate this game, I guess, you know, I don't know the best word for it, but you can't officiate or, or whatever it is, this game that way, because it's just going to make people crazy and betters will sue and, you know, the whole nine there, there's so much fallout that could happen. And I guess the, the, the good part about it is <laughs> it didn't seem like there was a lot of people wagering on those races anyway. So it was kind of a moot point. It's not like there was huge money on it. Like normal. It just makes me crazy, Barry, that people just want to have their opinion and then they just want to have blinders to everything else that happens <laughs> Because of the of the the rule of or their opinion, like it's just they're oblivious to everything else that happens. Well, it's so wild because I have an opinion on the whole thing, 
But I also, if somebody came in and said, hey, you know, did you think about this? I'm like, huh. You know, I wouldn't say, oh, well, no, that's that's impossible. No, anything's possible the way this rule's set up. It's like, you know, in corporate America, if you work for a company and in their handbook, they have a thing about cell phone use or something. But all those kind of things in, in, in like an employee handbook are really ambiguous where it's open for interpretation, where the employer can do kind of whatever. That's how I feel this this whip rule thing is, because, you know, they jam up Montalvo. And they don't know what to do. And and in the end, they can probably do whatever, but it's just going to be, you know, I, I'm, I'm guessing they're trying to go the least path of resistance. The path of least resistance. Sorry about that. Um, you know, which would make sense, but it, it doesn't seem like there is one because where whichever road you go down is just going to open up more cans of worms. Exactly. But the horse has to be DQ'd there. There's no, oh, yeah. there's no mandaloon had nothing to do with it. <clears throat> Everyone's entitled to their opinion. Sure. But, you know, people's opinions are are ridiculously wrong all the time. But if you watch that race and you think Mandalorian should be taken down too, like, what are you watching? <laughs> oh, well, you know, uh, he came out. Yeah, we, yeah, he never entered the path of of uh, Midnight Bourbon one iota. It's just, it's just silly. It's just literally silly. And then, you know, got a guy yesterday telling Don Chatlos because Don had said something. And, uh, you know, Don's a pretty level-headed guy. And, you know, very, very level. We got to hear about the guy. He's got a psychology degree, so he's smarter than everybody. Oh, boy. Did he lead with that? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, no, no, it was later in the... Psychology. It was later in the... Uh, probably got it from a shitty university like Arizona State. Hey, bro. The paper universities. They shouldn't even be accredited. Dude, that's um, where all the parties are, though. Exactly. It should be just a club. You apply. Yeah, well, that's pretty much how it works. But then, you know, it's like all of a sudden, oh, well, you know, you know, he's giving us the, oh, well, Paco did this and Paco did this. No, Paco's horse got interfered with and he fell down. That's all that happened. Everything that's it. he did in the race, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter it, it, what he did in the first turn, what he did in the backside, <laughs> or what he did there, what he did there. None of it matters. The horse committed a foul. That's it. Well, just think about how absurd that line of thinking is, knowing how stewards are and how they they <laughs> adjudicate races. Do you think they could really be like, well, well, Paco over here did this, so maybe the guy was just trying to get a bag? Or, you know what I mean? Just some nonsense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just some nonsensical bullshit that doesn't even need to be talked about because, like you said, it was clear what the foul was, and that's that. They did the right thing, and, and right, and they took it down quick. I mean, yeah, it didn't take all the time. It's not like you know they had to spend a lot of time determining where they were going to place him. But I mean, it was obvious. It was clear, and it was easy. I mean, it was the easiest call of the year. And there's still 15 percent of the people out there who think it's like total bullshit, which makes you just wonder, like, you know, what are you looking at? Yeah, like. Like who told you this nonsense? And and part of it is it's it's I, I put a Facebook post yesterday in the morning because I was frustrated. It, it's part of it's racing is it the, the the sport of racing is to blame. All the racetracks, all the organiz, all the organizations, 
all of them. We, we do a terrible job of educating people. Half the people in our sport don't know what the hell the rules are. They don't know what the rules are. And I'm not even talking about like medication rules, well, they, which everyone's kept in the dark about. I mean, there was a, a, a situation in the Mid-Atlantic, Delaware, or Maryland, Maryland, um, where the testing lab was changed. Got rid of Truesdale, which is, which is the lab that, like, every time there's trouble because of drug testing, That's they're the... involved, <laughs> right? So they got rid of them, and they brought a new lab in, and all of a sudden, they started calling positives, uh, like, a lot of them. <clears throat> For Amacar, which is a... It's kind of a, it's kind of an adjunct uh, medication for bleeders. It helps their stomach a little bit too. It's a really good medication. It, it's it's not something that's going to, um, you know, it's not a hop or anything like that. And they started calling pauses on it. Now it was thought to be a forty-eight hour drug, a forty-eight hour withdrawal. Um, they never actually bothered putting out any. Um, withdrawal times so it was kind of left to guess but 48 hours was kind of um the rule of thumb because no one was getting positives from 48 hours guys would do it a week out six seven ten days out started getting positive tests wow and that's a problem because that's just unfair if you're not going to give us a regulation if you're not going to give us a, a a speed limit so to say and all of a sudden, you're going to change the rules, uh, not change the rules, but change the labs. And, you know, certain labs have have different capabilities. And we don't know if the other lab was even testing for it or not. Um, but they rightly decided to table all the, um, uh, the, the positives. Until they get it under control. That makes sense. And now everyone got an official warning. And now everyone knows, like, it's, we don't know when, but you shouldn't use it. Just don't use it anymore, which, which really is bad because it, that's, that's not helpful for the horses. That's harmful for the horses, especially in a situation where we're trying to take horses off Lasix. Now, this is another medication that can, for, for, that can be helpful for bleeders. <clears throat> All right. So when you're working your horse, this is what you want to use because you know what? Um, I'm not a scientist and I can't tell you, uh, I, I can't give you any, uh, scientific facts here, but if you're going to run without Lasix, well, then you might try them without Lasix, but you don't want to like go cold Turkey. So you give them some Amacar and breeze them on that and see, and make sure that, that the horse didn't bleed. And, you know, it's a safety thing. This is not harmful to horses and this is not a hop. This is, you know, this is what you would do uh, for yourself. Good management of your horse. Now you can't do it at all because you have no idea how far out it is. And to give a positive for a drug like that at, at <laughs> ten days is, is just is just ludicrous. But that's, you know, it is what it is, right? Now they also gave a bunch of positives. There's a bunch of scratches for dexamethasone. And dexamethasone is 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 not a it's not beta methasone. It's a little different. <laughs> um, but uh, it, it's a corticosteroid, and, and uh, it's um, it, they have given uh, a 72-hour withdrawal limit. Uh, and apparently, a lot of the guys in Maryland were going 48, but they were giving half the, the dosage. 
So, like, I have no sympathy for those guys. No, because they were playing with fire. (laughs) Yes, they were given a a parameter, and they didn't accept it. And I don't care how many people are doing it. You know, it it doesn't matter. Um, So I know a lot of people will be say, well, you know, they shouldn't give drugs to horses, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's just not real. That's not realistic. Horses have issues. Horses have problems. Horses have breathing problems. Horses have inflammation. Horses get sick. There's a lot of issues with a racehorse. A lot of issues. There's a lot of issues with a racehorse that affect a racehorse a lot more than, than affect you. If you're feeling a little uncomfortable or, you you know, you're got a little swelling or uh, uh, maybe got a little cold, you can still go to work and, and, and function fine. A racehorse can't. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's important that, that we're able to properly manage and take care of the horses. But, you know, uh, you know John Salzman is out there saying that, well, you know, well, 75% of Maryland, you know, gives you know, 48 hours, half a dose. Yeah, that's, that's great, John. But that's, that's, <laughs> Right, but that's, but, that's but not the rule. That's not the rule. The rule is 72, you know, or, that, or at least the guideline. So if you're not following the guideline, regardless of how much you playing with fire, (laughs) yes, you're playing with fire and, and, and you knew, you know, and, and that's why, and that's the thing is like, it's not a black and white issue. There's so few black and white issues, but everybody wants to make it a black and white issue. I mean, it's just not, it's difficult to, um, to explain sometimes, but. Well, it should be one of those things that is constantly reevaluated for a lot of reasons, but obviously that doesn't happen. Listen, you hear me complain a lot about the people who are supposed to be overseeing and <clears throat> not doing their jobs. And the fact of the matter is, it's true. It's just true. There's just not enough being done. Today, uh, you know, before we went on air, social media, uh, oh my God, we heard two jockeys and or jockeys and mammoths were using buzzers. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh, I mean, I'm not condoning that in any way, shape, or form. But I've heard this for 35 years. And I'm not dumb enough to think that there aren't jockeys that are doing it. I'm not. But Like, does anybody, you know, CJ asked a question and he's right. When's, you know, how, how often the tracks shake the, you know, the root, how to, how, for? I don't, honestly, I have no idea. I don't know Not if the until something don't. really concrete comes their way. Because remember one thing about racetracks racetracks want everything to be good. It's good. Everything's great. Everything's good. Nothing's bad. Everything's good. Everything's good. Everything's good. When they don't get that. Yeah, you can't have like bad news stories every week coming out of your track, but no one's you know you, you, you people stop believing what you're telling them when everything's always good. Right, it's 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 reactive rather than proactive. Sometimes you got to catch somebody, and usually they catch them by mistake, like literally, like anything like that. It's usually. Because the whoever is doing it messed up somewhere along the way. Let me just say this. If you're a jockey and you're plugging horses in, 
I don't, I'm not going to have any sympathy for you, your family, your kids, if you get caught. None. Zero. None. None. No sympathy. Because this is 2021. And I don't care if Gary Stevens plugged a horse in at LaVoie Park in 1984. It's over. That's a long time ago. If you're using a, a, a machine, if you're a racing official and you know and you're not saying anything, shame on you. Man. You should go to jail too. Yep. If you're a valet and you're helping him, it should be on you too. Just the way it is. Believe me, if I ran a racetrack, there'd be a lot of things that don't happen to happen. <laughs> Come out of a metal detector out of the jocks room. <laughs> You'd see jocks flying out of the jocks room. There'd be trainers flying out of the front gate. There'd be owners. The bad people would get get eliminated. The idea that there's no bad people, that Jason Service and, and, and George Navarro were the only bad people in this business. Yeah, that's, that's a lie. <laughs> All them owners that, that support him, they're still in the business. A lot of them fancy owners, too. Still in the business. Nobody left. That's, that's uh, you know, now that you say that, uh, that's probably, like, the biggest thing that pisses me off about the whole Baffert situation. Because he had complete control of that whole thing and decided to basically either be lazy or less attentive or whatever. And now it's like blossomed into this whole thing, you know, and and it's not like, you know, like we talked about this years ago, (laughs) you know, um, how it was like, you know, like ticky tack fouls, it's just small stuff. But when they keep adding up, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. How did he not know that? There was a situation at Delmar this weekend where someone had a Baffert shirt on with the, the, oh, the, no. the, the, the Bar Shoe Life uh, edition, the Baffert with the two syringes. Apparently, uh, and of course, I wasn't there. Don't tell me they all, escorted him out. It's all secondhand, you know, the secondhand story. Was that Baffert's kid said something to the guy, called him an asshole, or said something to the guy, and I guess they went back and forth. And then the problem is this: is that Bob, it's gonna get worse. Right. <laughs> it ain't gonna get better. You guys, you you made the money, you got the fame, you took the fame. Deal with it. Deal with it. You wanna? We want to be a professional sport. Think of the horrible things that people say to professional athletes. Oh, look at the stuff Russell Westbrook. They say to look, him. Look at the stuff that and people t- said about those poor kids that, that missed the penalty shots in England the other day. Oh boy, yeah. I'm not condoning any of that. It's horrible. Those people that said it, they're horrible. They should jump off a building. Seriously, those miserable people should just jump <laughs> off a building. Right. Why? <laughs> It ain't going. This ain't going away. No, it ain't going away. And the East Coast, whew, don't come east. Yeah, stay out there, dude. Racetrack guys go over there. They get to have a couple too many cocktails. I have nothing against Bob Maffer personally. Nothing. Nothing. 
I said he should have walked away four months ago. He should have just taken a sabbatical. Right, and man. Everything blow over, figure it out, fight from the sidelines. Because of this, this is going to happen. Well, that's the thing is like, what did, what did he expect? Especially with horse players. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, this was, this was obviously an owner. Oh, it was an owner. Oh, there's someone inside the paddock. Oh, boy. So, I mean, it's just, and, and I'm not, listen, I'm also, we're not saying that, like, it's okay to say anything or call them names or, or do anything like that, especially in the <clears throat> paddock. I mean, we're supposed to be professionals, right? We all have licenses. You know, we're, 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 we're supposed to be some decorum, but there's going to be signs, there's going to be t-shirts, and it's just going to happen. That's all there is to it. Surprised it doesn't happen more. Probably would if we were, if racing existed in an era where uh, there was a lot more fans at the track. Listen, I, I've seen the guys at the Aqueduct. Oh man, they they were beast. They lamb based the jockey. The <laughs> in the in the back in the day, they took off some serious abuse. Yeah, I mean, the, sometimes the Jamaicans that come down from the third floor fuming. Didn't know what the hell they were saying, but they were not happy. But um, I guess the, the thing that that that's, that gets me is that um, it's like twenty twenty one. Like, why don't people understand that everything is different now? Everything is different. Everything is different. Anyways, we're going to take a break and come back and talk about some actual horses running in circles. Be back in just one minute and 12 seconds. All right, we are back at the Going in Circles Big Monday show. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, is is, uh, trying to calm me down. Uh, I was riling you up. I was I was I was the hype man. <laughs> you were you were the flavor flame to my <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I was hyping you up, bro. Nine one one is a joke. <clears throat> right? If you don't get it, you probably <laughs> probably not that old. Google it. Oh. Um the <laughs> I don't know what's going on over in Europe. But they might be getting an inkling. They can win a whole lot of turf races over in the U.S. if they can hey, horses over. They should have said that last year when Order of Australia won. They're like, you know what? We can throw anything out here and win. Speaking of which, I think that horse won yesterday at one to two in, in uh, Ireland. Order of Australia. Yes, very easy. Yeah. It was yeah. Tomato Can City. Hey, listen, eighty to one ain't never happening again. <laughs> so upset, man. That's that's over, um, but the Diana, which was run at Saratoga on Saturday, um, featured a a uh, kind of a deja vu with Mr. Charlie Appleby. Uh, <laughs> his two fillies ran one two again uh, in the same order with Summer Romance getting run down again by Alquitha. Um, it just uh, they're just. You know, better. Just better. They're just better than our horses. Um, and Al, Al, Al Tika or Alquita, whatever her name is, she's so small. 
They're real tiny. Yeah. Like a puppy. Yeah, <laughs> she's little. Uh, she looks she looks big in the lane though, boy. She she does finish fast. She does finish, finish. like uh, a great rode well. We gave her a good good ride, good trip, and um well, it was um it was it was just uh you know honestly <laughs> Uh, the exacta paid thirty bucks, <laughs> I, which I that 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 really made me upset because I I passed the race because I just wasn't really enamored with anybody besides the Euros. But man, that that looked like a a, a five dollar exacta should have been right on paper too. I mean, like, they were clearly the best two horses in the last race, and it was it was really more of the same in here. Um. Uh, you know the Phillies that that uh, you know the new faces. Um, I'm probably going to probably butcher this, uh, but La Signare, Signare, La Signare, La Signare, Philly, yeah. Signare. You know she had run well at uh, Santa Anita, um, and she rallied. And, uh, she wasn't really a threat to the top two, but uh, ran well. But um, everyone else really was uh, closers. They're just 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 not good. Fit. Yeah. I, I don't understand. Uh, I never understood why Pocket Square was favorite in the Justa game. I, that baffled me because she wasn't fa- faster on speed, you know, on, on the sheets. She wasn't actually even that that close on on those. And she had just won that one race at Keeneland. And I mean, Chad seemed to have better horses, <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, in his own barn than than her. But uh, I mean, she kind of. You know, ran the same race this time, or she just—I oh. mean, she's not a bad horse, but I, I, like one caliber horse at this point. And the great ones country are really aren't that good. People were listening to the terrible betting advice from on-air talent. That's the only way that goes down. You know, well, there's many hell things. Um, <laughs> they didn't well, call that's me. A, that, that's a whole other subject. Uh, that's a whole other show. <laughs> it was a a little question of is it really an upset when a horse is two to one in a five horse field, <laughs> 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 and the horse who's the favorite is seven to five? I mean, is that really an upset? <laughs> um, no. <laughs> Hard to call that an a couple thousand dollars swung the other way. Well, that was the first race at Saratoga yesterday. It was New York Red Phillies uh, two-year-old <clears> race, <throat> and it was scheduled for the turf. It was, of course, off the turf because uh, everything was off the turf um, yesterday at Saratoga, um, including the Coronation Cup, which was frustrating. Dude, I, I don't think there's a, a more unbettable track than Saratoga when it rains. And I say that with all the love in the world. Well, it was just an interesting, I think, it, an interesting case where, all right, you have a two-year-old Phillies. Um, you have two first-time starters, Todd Pletcher and Eddie Barker. All right. Eddie Barker's my man. Eddie <laughs> Barker's like Cliff Clavin, right? <laughs> but you have Todd Pletcher and you have Eddie Barker with firsters. Um 
You had two shippers from out of town, first time against New York Reds. Uh, one came from Indiana Downs, where it ran terrible. Uh, one came from Lone Star, where it just ran okay. And uh, Kelly Breen had a, a Philly Silver Samurai who would run second um, in a New York Red race at down at Belmont. The race wasn't very fast. She got beat seven lengths, going, I think, five. So, I mean, it wasn't like she had some powerhouse run, though she did have some experience. Now, she was two to one. Eddie Barker's horse was two to one, and Todd Pletcher's horse was seven to five. <laughs> no, ups- me, Todd Pletcher's horse is totally dead on the board at seven to five. And, and this is the one thing that people talk about value and this and that. Like, at seven to five, if Todd Pletcher's horse can run against that field, two shippers that are slow, a horse that ran in New York once that's slow, and an Eddie Barker first timer, if Pletcher's horse can run, he's three to five. Right. Or less. Right? I mean, there's literally no one in the race to beat. And the horse went six to five and, and really, uh, I mean, finished third, but it was kind of a finished third because the other two were so far behind um, kind of a thing. Uh, it just It's just one of those occasions where a seven to five shot is actually dead on the board um, because they literally should be, um, you know, four to five. If if the money actually had, had shown, you would have thought that uh, you know she would have been a prohibitive favorite, and and she wasn't. And you know, I, I find a lot of Pletcher's horses fall into that category a lot. The ones that lose, where there's there's another horse that's taking you know not the same amount of action but close, and his horse ends up favorite anyway. But like you said, he really should be lower than what he is. And that horse is dead on the board. That That's basically what that says. And a lot of people sleep on that. I mean, it, it's kind of tough to read sometimes. Um, because, you know, betting the board isn't always the greatest thing to do. Because people are wrong a lot. Including the people that bet a lot. So... You know, there there's sometimes where where it's effective, but you really got to pick your spots. Um, but like you said, you know, it, it just didn't smell right. You know what I mean? It was just there was just something going on. You know, that's when that better's intuition comes into play. Yeah, the the Kentucky shippers continue to really like on on the dirt at, at Saratoga. They've like won everything. I think the only one that lost was the one I bet on yesterday. I bet Rusty Arnold's horse in the Coronation Cup. And uh, Told you my man Amos is going to be live, man. You didn't believe me. I didn't believe you. I didn't know all the races were going to be up the turf, though. But the Kentucky, <laughs> dirt, the Kentucky <laughs> dirt horses have just been cleaning up. It's crazy. I mean, because they didn't have a great – well, this year was a little bit of an asterisk year because there was not a lot of Kentucky horses on the grounds because they had that – uh, Keeneland meet uh, in the summer, and then they had the, you know the Derby was September first or first week of September. So uh, there was a lot fewer Kentucky horses last year, but even the year before the the Kentucky horses kind of struggled in Saratoga. But now that this year, whatever it is, they have really really done well. Just wait till Medina Spirit comes back. Medina Spirit's out of training. I don't, I don't think Medina Spirit. <laughs> You'll never see that horse again. Oh, today we you know we heard Romberg is out now. Romberg, Romberg is out for the rest of the year. Bone bruise. Life is good. 
So on the comeback. Life is good is is, is on the comeback, but for no, Todd Fletcher. I don't know if anyone's gonna be left at this rate. EQ, central quality. Still around. He's around, of course, you know, the two that ran uh, I guess Midnight Bourbon is okay. And Paco rode that horse poorly. He did. He was in and out. I, I don't know what his <clears throat> fast like his why he's so determined in the Haskell to press the, 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 the Pletcher horse from the rail that was stretching out. It didn't figure to, to be able to stretch out to a mile and an eighth unless he got like a ludicrous slow lead, you know, yeah. like he went 51 or something like that. But Paco seemed in dead intent on pressing that horse the whole way. And it might not have mattered. I mean, maybe had he set off a little bit, he still wouldn't have been able to outfinish the other two. But um, he, he didn't ride that horse very well. And, you know, still, it was easiest to kill it here. That baffles me that people take that horse from the day down. I, I, I'm glad I wasn't on Twitter for that. <laughs> Although I can still see everything, you know this Twitter thing has gotten to be ridiculous. It's out of hand, bro. I mean, come on. Yeah, they act like the, you know it's it's Fort Knox or something. Like, oh, we can't let you in. Like it's some club in Miami. Just can't yeah. let you. Tell you, man, the 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 Better Biz Bureau has made the most headway so far. So they're they're set to respond to me tomorrow. So we'll see. I'm not getting my hopes up, but I mean, enough is enough. This is ridiculous. I mean, this is like the the the, the most unwarranted uh, penalty. I mean, for just nothing. Yeah, for stuff that everybody does anyway. Not like out of the norm. At least give me it when I cuss at people, you know? I could live with that. And I don't do that often anymore. I used to a lot, but, you know, I've evolved as a tweeter. Eh, it just doesn't pay. It just, uh, I find myself in these arguments with people. And then sometimes. Oh, I don't have arguments. I just cuss at them. I'm, I'm, I'm just like. Real mad. I, 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 this, that's probably smarter just to cuss them. <laughs> oh, yeah. And Lecky. Oh, man. Don't even. Keep running your mouth. Keep running your mouth, boy. Nah, he, he don't want that smoke. Well, he does. I think I defended this guy. Sad, leave him alone. Leave him, his, leave him and his horse alone. What? You know what he doesn't like? And this is, you can say whatever you want. I mean, I don't really give a shit. But you want to say you're a know-it-all? You know what? In horse racing, I am. Hello? The fact is that horse racing Twitter especially is littered with just terrible, terrible misconstrued ideas and, and misinterpretations and just cluelessness. It's just like you, all you got to do is shoot the gun. You're going to hit a target. <laughs> Eventually, right? And people say, well, why does it matter? You know why it matters? You know why it matters? Because when incorrect information keeps getting spread then the people that are coming into the business trying to understand trying to follow the racing that are they're trying to, to educate themselves well they're gonna have a harder time disseminating what the hell is right and what the hell is wrong 
And if you don't call people out on their nonsense, when they say things that are wrong or they say things that are inaccurate or that they make these wild claims like, you know, the regulators are doing their jobs (laughs) (laughs) Um, or or they believe the press releases. Oh, boy. I told uh, Alan from the TDN today, I said, one of of my free uh, services on on horse racing uh, social media is is interpreting horse racing uh, (laughs) press releases for (laughs) into language you can understand. <laughs> like when horse is going to miss 60 days, that means he's not going to be running this year anymore. Okay. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's over. There's no more races today. It's middle of July and you're not taking 60 days off and coming back this year. It's not happening. Not, on a, not, not with those type of horses. No, not, no. Well, just because of the racing calendar and what it looks like at the end of the year, there's no way. No, so sometimes uh, you need a little bit of interpretation of uh, you know, reading between the lines. It's like uh, Kean Peel, the anger interpreter for Barack Obama. That you ever see that? I, I I have to admit I never did. Oh, I'll send you a video. You'll enjoy it. Broaden my horizons. But like, if I'm wrong about something. I'll readily admit it. I have no problem admit it. Yeah, who cares? I mean, I mean like, uh, look wrong. at how many times you're wrong as a horse player every day. Well, that's what I mean. Like, I'm wrong betting horses all the time. Right. That's nothing. Like, oh, okay, my bad. But some people. A lot can- of the other stuff about the business of horse racing, about what actually goes on and what actually matters and what actually is, is reality and not reality. Yeah, you lived it. So. A lot of it, I'm not trying to, like, I'm not debating it. I'm telling you how it is. Right. You want to hear how it is? You don't like my opinion? Well, it's not my opinion a lot of times. It's the fact. It's something that's been told to me. Something that, that's, that exists. Something that, that's been done before. It's not like, oh, well, I think this might be happening. No, it's, it is happening. And, and you know, like, I know a lot of things that people don't know, but I can't say them can't just you know betray confidences right Dude, and that's some things people don't get i mean and now and, and brian, brian very i don't know everything that's going on well nobody could but <laughs> a lot of times i can call someone who might know someone and, and and get an answer but that doesn't mean i can make it public and, and like i said I, i'm not 100 percent right but there's times where I just can't say the name. I can't say what it is. But if I tell you the horse is retired, he's retired. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me on this. <laughs> you just haven't seen the picture of him gallivanting around the fields. or <laughs> That was like, a, it was like Army Mule. People were waiting for Army Mule to come back. I was like, that horse is not coming back. Yeah, like when it was reported Charlton was <laughs> was no longer in California, but was in Kentucky. Yeah. We're evaluating him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Trying to figure out what stall to put him in. Exactly. You're trying to figure out. <laughs> Should we put him in the end stalls of the stallion or, or this? This one. Who, who should we get to come take the, the pictures of the, the stallion pictures? 
it's just crazy. And we don't want to, like, I don't want to be a dick all the time, but, like, sometimes, like, just accept what I'm saying. (laughs) Like, don't, uh, you know, and I'm not going to do it. You're not going to, like, try to get me to say something that I shouldn't say. I'm not. not. People tell me something I say I can't say it, I won't say it. Right. That's not the point. I mean, the point is that, you know, you have a lot of years in this business. You know a lot of people. And, you know, that alone should should humble somebody else when you're talking about things that are straight up. You know, there there's some things that are open to interpretation, such as betting advice or, you know, things that, that you know, don't really happen um, in, a, in a matter of fact way, you know, where there's gray area. But a lot of the stuff you've you've seen been through, you know, 10 times over. So somebody calling you a know-it-all, it's just absurd because you do. I mean, you know, as far as a lot of things go, you do know it all <laughs> because you've been through it. You lived it for years and years and years. And, and Barry, a lot of people do. A lot of people know. Yeah. There just aren't many people that are willing to talk about it. Right. And that's, that's why we're going in circles. That, that's, that's what I try to do. Like, at least let people see the inside. And and there'll be there'll be things that people won't agree with me on, and that's fine. Uh, well, that's I, not what you're. I have looking. disagreements with with people I respect all the time. Right, but that's not what you're looking for. Is agreement? You're just right. telling it like it is. That there's exactly. a difference. Right. You know, I, I just think it's crazy. Yeah, it's it's. I, I think the whip rule. Go back to whip rule. Um, I just wanted to make this this. You know, we're told what we're told the. the there's a social aspect and blah, 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 and animal rights people and blah, blah, blah. You know who was outside Mammoth all day Saturday? Peter. Animal rights people. <laughs> all day. Yelling, screaming, acting like idiots. No whips there. Just face it. I don't care about you know what's funny? I, that, that happened one time. You know, where it wasn't such a big thing. I, I guess this was late 90s, early 2000s. I'd driven from Massachusetts over to Saratoga. And I saw, you know, the animal rights people out there. And they had pictures of elephants and all kinds of animals and stuff like that. And I was like, wow, they came out here just for that. And there was like three of them. And I was like, wow, they're nuts. And just kept rolling. Didn't even think twice about it. But then that was 10 plus years ago, 20 years ago now. <laughs> Things have changed quite a bit in that arena, especially in, in this business. To the point where it's almost to the point where we can't stop it. Nick Zito's a wise man. He told me one time ago, a long time ago, he said, Chuck. They're either with you or they're against you. Hmm. The animal rights people are against us. And they should be fought at every step. Every single step. We should fight them. Fight them to the end. Not give in. Ever. They're yeah. not going to stop. And, and no one speaks for all of them. 
No, like, just like no one speaks for all handicappers, right? No one speaks for all horsemen. Just because one group, you know, gets a seat at the table, now oh, we're, we're not going to try to do this to you anymore. Doesn't mean another one's not going to try to do the same thing. Or another one. So that's just, just, just like, you know, a point in case that we talked about a long time ago. That this whip rule is not going to appease animal rights people. Stop being so stupid and so naive. It's not going to make a difference to them. They have one goal and one goal only. Well, actually, they have two goals. Goal number one is to raise funds. That's what they do. They raise funds, and, and like that creepo guy that that uh, runs that horse racing wrongs, right? This is how he makes a living doing this—a good living. Because you people out there that are animal rights people, you give him money. And then our only other goal is, is to eliminate us. That's it. That's all. And, and, and racing's an easy target. And racing's not a terrible job. I mean, listen, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm going to sit here and tell you, oh, we've done a great job. We've done a terrible job. Terrible job. Racing, horse racing in North America, is one of the most mismanaged, mangled businesses that ever existed. One of? <laughs> I think it is the top. Well, until Leon Rose took over, the Knicks were probably in that category. But <laughs> it, it is a series of terrible decisions. Listen, racing has done a poor job on, on so many, so many levels. But that doesn't mean that we have to, like, go over to the other side. What we need to do is fix what our problems are, but not not because they want us to. We need to fix the problems because they need to be fixed, and they should be fixed. And it makes us a better sport, and it makes a a better game, and it makes the people who are in it uh, need, need to be, you know, need to be filtered and cleaned up. And those that, that don't want to play by the rules, don't want to um, do right, then they need to be shunned. Right. It makes it makes the business less of a target if you clean up all that. It does. It's but it's still going to be a target. It's still going to. Well, be a yeah. As long as as long as we have horses racing in circles, it'll be a target. But I mean, that's just a given. I mean, I, I I'm not like. I understand it. I mean, I accept it. I accept the fact that we're going to be a target. Mike, uh, and you're not wrong. I mean, you are right. The more we cleaned up, the better, um, you know, the less things we give them, the less ammunition they have. Right. Easier to fight. <laughs> but there's one thing that, that people forget a lot. And this is what we're talking about. You know, people get focused on one thing. Is that the one thing that politicians respect is money. That's hmm. the one thing that all politicians out there, they all need it. They need to be, they need it to be elected. They need it to stay in power. They need to get reelected. All of them, no matter who you are in any, uh, any, you know, position that outside of like dog catcher. Okay. Any position that has power, they need funds. They need money. The stronger racing is as a business, the least likely opportunity for the animal rights people exists 
the racing is making the states a lot of money and creating a lot of jobs. And racing is able to um, fund the right politicians like every, like every other big corporation does. Then racing is going to be uh, on more solid ground. But when you just let yourself be a pinata like they have in California, and not everyone in California. There's some people that have that have really fought back. I think Doug O'Neill. I know. I know it takes a lot of shit, but Doug O'Neill, I know, has done a lot to counter a lot of the animal rights nonsense. Uh, his own money, other pieces. He's done a lot of fundraising. He's spent a lot of hours on it. And I know people, you know, kind of get on him. But the the fact is that, um, you know, he he has he has tried, and that's that's something that. Uh, I mean, I, I respect that. Um, and, you know, it, the funny thing in racing is you always hear, well, what about this horse getting positive? He had nine positive. Uh, uh, all right. I know that. I didn't say, like, he's... Uh, you <laughs> didn't know, say he was a saint. <laughs> I didn't say he's Gandhi, right? <laughs> but when you do things um, to try to, you know, to try to help other people, because it helps everyone. The, the, what he's trying to do out there is help everyone. And then It's hard, Barry, because uh, because someone, and this is the thing, and, and I don't want anyone to kiss my ass or pat me on the back, but who else talks about this stuff? Who else in this business talks about this stuff? Believe me, I talk to people in, in, in leadership positions in this business about this stuff, and they cringe. Oh, come on, Chuck. You can't save the world. <laughs> How are we going to do that? Who's going to pay for that? Oh, fly the, uh, oh, the, 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 my boss will never go for that. I mean, believe me, you, you hear this stuff all the time. Right. They talk about it, but not publicly. And, and I, I, I'm not, you know, I, I've said this before too about racing executives, and I get on them as much as anybody else does. They almost all work for someone else, they're drawing a paycheck, and, and, uh, you know, their first duty. Probably is to themselves and their family. Keep drawing that paycheck. Um, and a lot of them don't love the game. They love the paycheck. A lot of people out there, I'm sure, are working in jobs they don't love. And whatever industry that they're in, I'm sure that they're not going to sacrifice their job to try to better their industry, right? <laughs> they're going to be better in their industry, and then they're going to be on the employment line. And that's just the reality of, of life. <laughs> Um, that doesn't make it okay to ignore the fact that, you know, some people, I mean, our friend Marcus Vital, he's, he's, he's on the overnight for Saratoga for Thursday. Huh. I mean, it's like, it just never ends, you know, it keeps coming back. It's like one of those uh, horror movie killers. Just can't get rid of him. Can't get rid of him. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, and, and I wanted to say something too about, and this is like old news at this point. It's like wicked old news. Um, you know, the Baffert ruling in New York the other day, that was just an injunction. I mean, I, will, I talked to a couple different lawyers about it, and, and they all kind of said the same thing. He said, eh, 
you know, there's, there's if you want an injunction, you just have to give them a little sliver of something. That right. Might, some some you know, like. Right. They, they didn't try the case here. All they said was, um, you know, you know the, it was broken out to me kind of in a nutshell. Yeah. If Naira had held a hearing of some sort, they might have been able to escape this. You know, it's not that they can't do it. It's that they did, didn't go about it properly. Um, you know, and then there's that little issue of, you know, is Naira a state actor or are they not a state actor? And the land themselves is not actually held by them. It's not held by the state. So, so like people were like automatically, oh, I see, you know, the cheaters. It was a judge. It wasn't a person involved in horse racing. <laughs> You know, it's just an injunction. Just, uh, you know, he's allowed to run till they get their their stuff in order, and which he's not. Well, yeah. what Gamine might run, I, right? I don't know if he were, is or not, but I mean, it seemed like the judge gave them a template as to how to do it. That they just kind of <clears throat> uh, you know, had no hearing and didn't. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, listen. I don't know the technical terms, but. Apparently, they should have at least had a hearing where he could uh, state his case, and and then the, the you know the judgment could have been made after that. But they never did that. They just summarily kind of said he's not allowed, um, which I'm sure their legal people thought that was you know the right thing to do. But that's why you have injunctions. But that that, that doesn't mean that uh, you know he's he's cleared for good. So. So there. Dang it. <laughs> well, I guess uh, one thing I did notice over the weekend is that uh, thought Delmar was better than Saratoga this weekend. You said that many times. I mean, Saturday and Sunday were phenomenal at Del Mar. The card, the, the, I mean, not so much Sunday. Sunday wasn't as good, but Saturday was probably the best card I've seen in California in a long time, over two years. And it wasn't like a, you know, a headliner card where there's a whole bunch of superstars running or anything like that. Just pure betting. It was it was definitely one of the best cards they've had. It was Woodbine-esque. Well. Appreciated it. Next Saturday, Saratoga. This week at Saratoga, we have uh, the Rick Violet stake on Wednesday. There's only five in there, no? Only five with a Philly. Philly division didn't fill. Uh, according to Craig from Timeform US, uh, they've only run eight maiden races in New York for New York Reds this year. Uh, four Phillies, four Colts. So might be one of the reasons why there just aren't that many winners. Uh, with the maiden race being 85000 and the stake being 100000 uh, it's not really that great of an incentive to run in the stake, um, especially if you're a Colt. But it's got five and Rick, what's a good dude? Uh, Thursday has uh, two features. We have the, the Stillwater for New York Red. Oh, no, that's, oh, excuse me. I'm sorry. I, the Stillwater did not fill. Uh, no. Nope. I don't think the water filled. So uh, 
Thursday, the, the feature will be the Grade 1 AP Smithwick Jump Race. The Jump? The Jumpers. Um, they had two jump. It was kind of weird today at, at Colonial. They had two jump races, and they had them in the racing form as the 11th and 10th and 11th, though they ran as non-betters before the first. <laughs> <laughs> And, and they didn't uh, show the video of them either, so it's kind of odd. Um, uh, Friday, you got three-year-old fillies on the turf, uh, in a mile in, uh, going a mile in the Lake George. Uh, on Saturday, the Coaching Club American Oaks, grade one, 500,000. Uh, I think that'll be the return of Malathat. I don't exactly know what kind of field they're going to get to, you know, to, get to face her in there, but, um, but she will be in there. Tomato cans. Also Saturday, the Caress, grade three, uh, five and a half uh, on the turf. Um, when I worked for Alan Jerkins, Caress was, was one of our horses. Uh, she was a really nice horse. She did win on the dirt. Uh, she won an off-the-turf race in the dirt at Aqueduct, but she was mainly a, a turf filly, a really good turf filly. Mile, mile and a sixteenth was her game. Harborview Farms owned her. She used to oh, wear yeah. facing the, uh, the pink and uh, the black silks. The black silks. Yeah, black sleeves, white stripes. And Caress is the dam of Sky Mesa. The stallion. Interesting. Uh, Sunday's feature was the Shoe V, grade three, Phillies Mares, Mount on the dirt, and it lost its big headliner. Um, Swiss Skydiver like every horse uh, Mr. McPeak has sent up to Saratoga is in quarantine because uh, a horse had the uh, horse in his barn had the equine herpes virus and that sucks um, it sucks that she had the scratch it sucks that all his horse had the scratch but as a person that's had a horse with that and has been in quarantine it's um, it's not fun it's a uh, you know, they give you a time frame where you can be out of quarantine, I think 14 days. And every day, your horse's temperatures have to be checked. Um, I don't remember if it was hourly or every other hour, every four Gee. hours. And if you got a, you had a, um, a temperature, you had to call the state fat, they would come just while you're in quarantine. And they would test your horse, and if your horse tested positive, then uh, the quarantine would reset back to zero and you had to do it all over again damn i think we were in quarantine like 34 days or something like that uh and this was a turfway park it's a nice filly too it was it was a horse of mine um, mrs thayer uh, owned the filly by torse chestnut and she worked the morning that she was kind of stricken with it and she was fully vaccinated for for equine herpes virus but you're only vaccinating i think two strains and there's like 16 and these are the things you learn when you get something like that happen to you, right? Like, <laughs> until, you know, it's information you just don't know until it happens, and all of a sudden you you find out a lot of stuff. But she had worked that morning at Turfway, and I was there, and I was uh, back home in Louisville about one thirty in the afternoon, and my assistant called me and said she was having a real hard time getting up. So we thought like she had got cast or hurt her hip or something like that. Um, so the vet came over and maybe 15, 20 minutes later, he called me and, and he had, uh, Dr. Barry, uh, Dr. Barry was a, he was a veteran, you know, he, he'd been around for a long time. <laughs> um, 
he wasn't one of those guys who was going to get worked up about something. And the tone of his voice when I picked the phone up was like, Ugh. oh, man, <laughs> like, Chuck, we, we have got to get her to Rudin Riddle like right away. Or, or he said, or it said to me, he goes, where do you want to send her? And I was like, huh? He's like, which clinic? We, we've got to get her to, you know, Rudin Riddle. And, um, she went there and uh, she was she was dead within 24 hours. Damn. She had worked great that morning. Looked good, cooled out good, like nothing. And and it's just crazy how quickly a horse can go from seemingly being in uh, in good health, uh, without a temperature, without anything wrong at all, to you know, four, five, six hours later being like um, not even able to hardly get up. Well, that's rough. Yeah, it started a quarantine period where. We were in there for quite a while, but, uh, and, and, you know, Turfway was good about it and they gave us like 40 minutes, 45 minutes at the end of the day to train. So we had to train all our horses. I think I had 16 horses in there. Uh, I think there was something like 30 horses in there and, and, and it was, it sucked because there was other trainers too. And anybody who was in the barn was, you know, stuck in quarantine, even though their horses, you know, weren't sick ones. Um, so we had to hire every rider, hot walker, and uh, free. When they were done with work, they would come over and we'd get them all to go. I'd, I'd have nine horse sets, eight horse sets going out. Damn. <laughs> like, like, so we look like Aiden O'Brien now. Um, but we had to hustle. You know, you had to get them out as soon as, the, as soon as they let us out. Horses go out there, go once around, twice around, come back, you know, jump on, change tack, <laughs> and send out the next set. And, it was uh, it was a lot of action for about ninety minutes every day, but uh, you know, you make the best of it. But it, it it sucks. I feel bad for Kenny and his his owners and his help, and it's just a uh, it's just one of those things. You know, it's not preventable. It just it just these things happen, and you don't have any idea it's coming. It just happens. So. I heard a horse die of uh, colitis. Maybe the best horse I ever trained. And this, this sounds nuts, but I had a horse. It was a two-year-old uh, cult. And I owned, I think I owned a third or 40% of them. Uh, Garlic Rob's dad owned a piece of them. About four or five of us. One. I didn't pay much for him. He was by, uh, he was by a horse that Frankel trained that wound up getting sold to South America hmm. pretty quick. I can't think of his name, but he only stood here like one or two years. Anyways, this this horse would outwork. I had a pretty good barn, and I didn't have anything to stick with this horse. I mean, literally nothing. And he was getting ready to run. It was the fall of church. It was a two-year-old year. And um, I went to Newmarket to buy horses for Mrs. Thayer, matter of fact. And when I left, the day I left, he was a little sick. And uh, we were treating him, and by the time uh, I got to England, of course, you know, we went to Chicago, and then we had to lay, wait there, and then take the flight to England. And, and the long like, way. <laughs> so, and the cell phones didn't work quite as good as they did, like they do now. Like, when you were overseas, like, you didn't get Oh, it. no, it didn't work at all. No, right, so... <laughs> 
I told my vet at the time, I said, listen, I'm, I'm leaving it you know, to you. You make the decisions. You make all the calls. It's the best horse I ever had, I think. You know, like, just do what we got to do. And I went to England. We were there for like four days, bought a couple horses, came back. So I remember we landed in Cincinnati, and I was in uh, the customs, and I turned my phone on. hadn't been on in a couple of days. And, of course, there's like 400 messages. So I'm listening to the voice messages. And, uh, like, Monday, the vets, yeah, the horse is stable. Tuesday, not bad. You know, looks like he's improving a little bit at Wednesday. Yeah, you know, it seems like he's doing okay, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the last call I get is from the clinic. Mr. Simon, I'm sorry. There was nothing we could do. <laughs> Damn. Wow. Like, oh, what? <laughs> you know, it's like I got four or five messages, and every one of them seemed like he was getting better. Then the last one's like, oh, he's done. I know. And to make it worse, I got a bill for like 12 grand mm. at the end of, 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 the, of it. But, uh, yeah, that was uh, – that, that, that's – these things happen and it's just there's so many things that can happen to a horse and almost all of them are bad. But now it, it sucks that, that that's happening. It just, you know, they're lucky it didn't spread. It didn't spread <laughs> to a couple other barns. So. so we'll see what happens. But uh, anyways, glad you could make it tonight. Always a pleasure. If I've insulted you tonight, some uh, anyone listening, sorry. No, no, no. Sorry, not sorry. But, uh... <laughs> come on, man. That was the easiest DQ in the history of easy DQs. This wasn't hard. Yeah, it would have been a crazy if they got that one wrong. Well, the layup. The layup drill. Three-man weave layup. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll be talking to you. I guess by the time we talk again uh, on the air, at least the, the NBA champion will be crowned. Ugh. Get it over with already. Done with it. We can, <laughs> we, we can send the... Uh, the, the reinforcements over to, to Tokyo for our... Nobody wants to go over there. Zach Levine got, got nabbed today. He's on the health and safety protocol now. Team, Team USA is down to one guard. <laughs> this is going to get uh, bad. Uh, yeah, you got to get it over and get, get, uh, get our man Booker over there to... Shoot some uh, trays. We got one guard. One guard. Crazy. I saw Rudy Fernandez's plays. He still plays. <laughs> he's playing for Spain. Thought he was at the Y League. Over Thought that my... might have been his kid playing. <laughs> he's gotta be old as us. He's definitely old as us. <laughs> Thought he's in the Saul, He still House. plays too. He's gotta be old as us. The Spanish team used to be a formidable team. They're still pretty good, but. Everybody's, uh, everybody's kind of old. 
didn't what's his name play for them or ride the bench for them? Our guy, uh, what's Dirk, his name? Yeah, <sighs> uh, I don't think he's playing because he's got a bad back. He had the back surgery. Of course, he has a bad back. I'm not sure exactly how he qualified. I yeah, that's that's what I was wondering. But he was riding the bench for them for a while. Like he couldn't crack the lineup. Oh, he was gonna not play one of the Gasol brothers. I mean, come on, play them all. <laughs> but the Gasol brothers are not too far from senior league eligibility. <laughs> yeah, the Olympics are. I mean, it just seems like it's going to be difficult to get, however, thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming from all over the world and together in one spot and, and not have any issues with. With COVID, right? I mean, it was it was destined to have issues. Um, I mean, there might be some wagering opportunities in, in various sports, and that like the chalks might might wind up, you know, hitting the COVID protocol and dropping out. Yeah, Team USA basketball bet against. Well, not even basketball. Like some of the other sports were. I mean, the individual sports um, where, you know, there's a lot of times these individual sports, there's one or two people that are like dominant, right? Like tennis. So you think tennis. about tennis, right? And men's tennis. It's going to be Djokovic, uh, Federer, or uh, um, what's the other guy? The Spanish guy. The guy that wins the French Open every year. Nadal? Nadal, yeah. It's one of those three. Now, though Federer's kind of tailed off and Nadal's always hurt. But, I mean, it's literally one of those three in almost every kind of major, right? So, could you imagine if, if and, and I don't even think, I don't even know if those guys are going over, but could you imagine if all three of them got eliminated because of pro COVID protocols? You'd have 50 to 1 shots, 100 to 1 shots. Yeah. In, in the finals. I mean, nobody knows, right? I mean, it's it's literally a free-for-all after that. Yeah, I mean, it could be, <laughs> it could be wild. Just look at Team USA. In the last, you know, couple days, Bradley Beal, then Zach, you know, Zach Levine, and and they're following every protocol that you can follow, and they still can't, you know, stop it. It's just weird. It's just it's just weird that uh, it's just the randomness of this whole thing. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what to say, but it just. It, I mean, it's going to be odd watching an Olympics without any fans. Especially the things like the track and field and track and their gymnastics, the swimming. Right. I mean, it's just going to be odd that there's nobody there. Um, I mean, we kind of got used to it with basketball last year a little bit, right? And, and football. Football really didn't look that different the way they covered it. Um, it was different, but it wasn't quite as as, as different. Baseball. Uh, they had the the they pumped in the crowd noise. <laughs> yeah, ba- baseball looked very odd. Baseball is odd. Yeah, that was weird. You can't hide stadiums in baseball. There's just too many. You know, just not enough, enough way to do it. But uh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. See what happens, man. See what happens. So. Have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you next week, my man. I will be here. All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Going in Circles Big Monday Show. My name is Charles Simon. I'm the host of the Going in Circles Podcast Network. 
My co-host, Barry Spears, the sniper, will be with us momentarily. Uh, we have a lot to cover today. It's the golden age of uh, topics for horse racing podcasts. We have all kinds of things. We have horses falling down. We have whip rules. We have buzzer allegations. We have colonial downs and the great Jason Demi uh, announcing my he seems to be the key to my handicapping. Um, a, a lot of other things. We'll talk about Saratoga. We'll talk about uh, <laughs> Europeans might decide to win all of our turf races uh, and a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so stay tuned. We'll be back in just a minute. Pleasant Acre Farms, located just outside Ocala, Florida, is a full-service commercial breeding operation that has one of the top stallion rosters in the Sunshine State. Standing 10 horses, including sons of top sires such as Curlin, Harlan's Holiday, Unbridled Song, Scat Daddy, Canthros, and Twirling Candy, you'll be sure to find a great match for your mare at Pleasant Acres. Owned and operated by consummate professionals, Joe and Helen Barbazon, they provide clients with world-class services in all facets of the thoroughbred industry. Their commitment to quality is what allows Pleasant Acre Farms to pursue their passion for breeding champions. Check out their website at Pleasant Acres Stallions dot com or call 352-528-2885 Pleasant Acre Farms Hey everyone, thank you for listening to the Going in Circles Big Monday show. I wanted to let you know that we have a weekly newsletter that you can subscribe to for free, the Going in Circles Digest. It's a, kind of a combination newsletter, stakes preview, um, we have some uh, restaurant reviews on there, various topics, but uh, we also have a couple um, pieces about various uh, industry topics or, or racing history. This last week we did a piece on the great Arazi and his spectacular move in the 1991 Breeders' Cup Juvenile, which uh, unfortunately... <laughs> was the, the pinnacle of his career. But um, it's a free subscription. Go to goingincirclesdigest.substack.com and check it out. All right, the Going in Circles Digest. Thanks for listening.